0: Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graven. Welcome to episode 348 of the podcast for September 18th, 2019. My guest today is Cinnamon Dixon. She is Director of Continuous Improvement at the Cleveland Clinic. I interviewed her for the Kinexus Continuous Improvement Podcast Series, and I'm cross-posting that episode here to give all the great stuff that she's sharing uh, a little bit more exposure. If you haven't already done so, I'd invite you to go and subscribe to the Kinexus podcast. You can find it in all the usual places, including wherever you find and subscribe to this podcast series. But anyway, our Kinexus team members who were at the Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit in June were really impressed with Cinnamon's presentation on their tiered huddle process that's part of their... Lean Methodology. They call it the Cleveland Clinic Improvement Model. So we asked her to do this podcast. You can find a full transcript via the Kinexis blog, and I'll link to that if you go to the page for this episode, leanblog.org slash 348. Also, I recently had a chance to visit Cleveland Clinic, and I spent the morning observing their tiered huddles, and I was really impressed. So I'll be writing a blog post about what I observed um, sometime soon, You can find that at leanblog.org. And again, I want to thank Cinnamon and Cleveland Clinic for, as always, being so willing to share the great work that they're doing. Our guest, Cinnamon Dixon, is the Director of Continuous Improvement at the Cleveland Clinic. She has over 15 years of experience in organizational effectiveness and continuous improvement. Cinnamon started her career at the Cleveland Clinic as an organizational effectiveness consultant. In that role, she led the development of teams and leaders. Her work included leading system-wide initiatives such as the implementation of the Employee Engagement Survey, which focuses on how to create and sustain an engaged culture. And she was also instrumental in developing and facilitating the Cleveland Clinic Experience, which was an interactive exploration for over 50,000 caregivers on how each person contributes to the mission and values of the organization. During this time, her curiosity for continuous improvement peaked, She shifted her focus toward creating and sustaining systems that support the great behaviors that we want to see in our leaders and teams. This led her to join the continuous improvement team. In her current role, she leads a dedicated group of continuous improvement specialists who execute projects, programs, and apply the lean methodology as they work to advance the foundation for a continuous improvement culture enterprise-wide. Cinnamon is also an adjunct professor for Tri-C Corporate College in Cleveland, Ohio, There, she teaches a variety of courses centered on organizational effectiveness and continuous improvement. Cinnamon earned her MA in Diversity Management Psychology at Cleveland State University with an emphasis on leadership development, group processes, and adult learning. Now, here's our conversation. Well, again, we are joined by our guest, Cinnamon Dixon, coming to us from Cleveland Clinic. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: Um. Can you start off introducing yourself for the listeners? You know, what's your professional background um, within healthcare?
1: Sure. Uh, So like you said, Mark, my name is Cinnamon Dixon, and I'm the Director of Continuous Improvement here at the Cleveland Clinic for our main campus central team. Um, My background is actually industrial psychology. So I have a bachelor's and master's in psychology with a focus in industrial organizational psychology. Um, where really my my love and passion is around studying how we think and behave in the workplace.
0: And there are lots of opportunities to think about those and, and study those um, topics in, in the course of continuous improvement, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, so when, when did you first get introduced to uh, process improvement, continuous improvement? Uh, was it under the – the header, the banner of lean, or um, what were what were your introductions? Everyone's always got a different path into this.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I think I do have a kind of a unique path. I would say so. I've been with the clinic for about twelve years now, and I first started out as an organizational effectiveness consultant. And I love my work, and my work was truly around uh, leadership and team development, uh, and you know, running pretty large scale projects across the enterprise. And along the way, one of the things that that always stood out to me is there's there's only so much the leader and a team can do. Um, it was actually a dimming quote that steered me in the direction of continuous improvement where you know he talks about the 85% of the reasons for failure are deficiencies in systems and processes. So I would see that come up over and over again where I said to myself, this isn't the leader or this isn't the the, the employee. Um, there, there's something more to this. Let's take a look at what are the systems and processes that are really keeping the team from being at their best. And it was around that same time that truly our continuous improvement team and department at the clinic was forming. So um, they started probably about a couple years before I started at the clinic. So it was fairly new. And so it was around that time that I joined the continuous improvement department and really started that, that journey. And I do have a background in, in Lean Six Sigma as well, but we really are on the lean journey here at the clinic.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned one of my favorite people, Dr. Deming, and um, I, uh, I, I chuckle sometimes he, he sometimes gets labeled as uh, a statistician, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he's, he's always said psychology is the most important thing for managers to understand. So this is a bit of a detour, but my background is engineering. Um, what, what, I mean, what? I don't know if you can make, give general advice, but what, um, what can we learn about psychology that would be helpful for people whose background is, say, engineering or, or nursing or, or business? Are there some key lessons that you keep coming back to?
1: Yes, I, I think so, and it comes up all the time because I'll tell you, because we have a team of engineers as well, and I think the number one tip that I always give is first look at yourself and start with yourself, so what would cause you to change, what would cause you to do something different, how do you respond to things, because if you understand you better, then that would help you understand others and what they may be going through as well, so that's my number one tip is to start with yourself.
0: Yeah. And, and it, that it, that's, that's uh, great advice. And, you know, you mentioned you've got engineers, you've got um, clinicians. I've always found that, you know, when we've got a continuous improvement team, that it really helps to have uh, a mix of different backgrounds and, and professions and educations within, within a team. Um, has that been part of how, how important would, would, would you say that is, that, that mix and diversity of backgrounds?
1: We've definitely found the benefit of having a very diverse team here. I'll say that there has been times over the years. I've been with the clinic for 12 years, but with the continuous improvement department for eight years, and in that time frame, I've seen the ebbs and flows of us um, hiring one type of skill set and. We've always just gone right back to, no, let's truly open up and and understand what else would help bring value to our, our team. So now we have a whole huge mix of team members. We have those with MBAs and um, engineering degrees, myself with psychology, you name it. We do have a, a, a wide variety on the team who bring such rich experience to continuous improvement. So we appreciate the diversity.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So we're going to drill a little bit deeper into the Cleveland Clinic improvement model. We're going to spend most of the time here talking about tiered huddles. And I've got the benefit of um, a document I'm going to ask you, Stenemann, to give kind of the the high-level overview of. It's called the Cleveland Clinic Improvement Model, and we'll link to this file in the blog post for the episode. It's great that Cleveland Clinic um, shares this publicly. Um, so uh, if, if somebody were, to, I'll, I guess I'll just ask the question instead of asking if somebody were to ask, um, how mm-hmm. would you describe the Cleveland Clinic Improvement Model at a high level?
1: Sure, so our Cleveland Clinic Improvement Model, or what we call the CCIM, is is truly our way or our, our roadmap for how we achieve our goals, so, so this document was put together by um, multiple disciplines across the entire enterprise coming together to say what matters most for us and how can we achieve our goals. So there are four systems that make up the CCIM, and that's organizational alignment, where we're really taking a look at identifying and communicating what matters most. The second system is our, our visual management system, where we're taking a look at managing what matters most And then we have problem solving, where we're improving what matters most, and then standardization, which is sustaining what matters most, which can be sometimes one of the most difficult parts of of improvement. So those four systems really make up the improvement model. And in the model, there's uh, a role for everyone. So there's a role for senior leaders and what's expected of them. Um, Let's just say that uh, for a senior leader, they're working through problem solving. What does that mean for them? Um, Also, for there's a role for managers, so for managers, for example, if they're looking at organizational alignment, what's their part of that? What what do they have to do to to bring that to life? And then there's a role for all caregivers across the system, so we have that broken out, and then we also have tools that we recommend um, our caregivers use. And you'll hear me say the word caregivers frequently because we think of everyone, all of our employees as caregivers. Um, so you'll hear me say that throughout this entire podcast.
0: Yeah, and and I do there there are many things when when I've had a chance to visit Cleveland Clinic, that's one thing that stands out, the idea that everybody is a caregiver. And one of the other things that that I think really stands out in is is another great foundation for lean is the patient's first philosophy. Can 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 you talk a little bit about how the CCIM aligns and, and supports. That philosophy that's been there at Cleveland Clinic for for a while now. Well,
1: the, our patients are wholeheartedly at the center of every single thing we do. So um, when it comes to improvement work, we we the number one question we ask is always starting out with how does this affect the patient or with the patient in mind and making sure that um, in every way that we are giving the best possible care. So. And looking at, you know, if, and I always like to personalize things, and we oftentimes say this at the clinic, too. If this was your, your mother or your father or your um, niece, nephew, um, name your family member or friend, you know, how would you want them to be treated? What kind of care would you want provided to them? So at the heart of every single thing we do, we always have our patients first.
0: And so then when we look within the different pillars and approaches and, you know, there's, there's behaviors from senior leaders, managers, and caregivers, there's tools. Within that, uh, the second pillar in the model is uh, visual management. And so down in uh, the tool section, you know, it says use tiered huddles to identify, improve, and share issues. Um, Can can you talk a little bit, you know, before we get into some of the behaviors at the the different levels, um, can you talk a little bit about maybe the, you know, just what are the tiered huddles and, you know, how did that develop um, there at Cleveland Clinic?
1: Sure. So the tiered huddles are our way of really getting daily insight into our performance. So um, one of our mantras here is every caregiver capable, expected, and empowered to make improvements every day, and we we do believe that that is achievable. And our daily huddles really help us to to bring that to life. So um, with the tiered huddles, every day we're taking a look at what's important to us, what matters to us um, most, and and how are we doing with that, and are we making improvements? What uh, barriers or hurdles do we need to have removed and who can help with that? So our tiered huddles um, help us really solve all of those things together on an every single day basis. So that's just a quick five-second glimpse of the tiered huddles.
0: Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, there, before we dig a little bit deeper into that, um, you know, I see behaviors here in the model. All caregivers um, you know, so should huddle often. And then managers, you know, it talks about fostering team participation. So can can you talk maybe a little bit about that that dynamic? Try to help paint a picture of, let's say, you know, the frontline level huddle. That that's really where the tiered huddles start each
1: day, right? Right. So so let me just say this. When um, we started our tiered huddle probably about a year and a half, almost two years ago now where um, we had huddles in place. So I think when I've talked to different um, caregivers and different people from different organizations, I always hear, yes, well, we have a huddle. Um, and we had a huddle before we started our tiered huddles and we had different things in place across the system, um, but they weren't together. We didn't act as one where we were a culture, really a system, this approach to, um, our, our huddles and understanding our enterprise as a whole, as opposed to a unit maybe doing something on their own. So when it comes to our, our frontline, um, what you're calling our frontline huddles, we really take a look at what are those, those standard um, behaviors, what's the standard agenda, and what are the standard tools that we wanna use um, to communicate with each other every single day. So with our agenda and, and it's all the way from our tier one through our tier six. And we have six tiers of huddles here at the clinic. And we have, we're talking about the same things in each and every single one of those levels of the huddles. Uh, and on the agenda, we have things like, you know, what we have our metrics and then we have other things that we talk about as well. But really, what are the quality and safety, um, items that we want to make sure that we're talking about. What do we have in terms of patient and caregiver experience? So um, in terms of things like the falls or reducing serious infections or um, whatever that may be, but we have our standard agenda that we have. Um, We also have standard tools that we use. So all caregivers are uh, expected to use our same agenda. We also have what we call our action log. So, for example, I would say before the tiered huddles, one common thing that I always heard in different workshops or just working with different teams and different avenues, we always hear the term accountability. Uh, and I always, always ask and probe for what does that mean for you? But our tiered huddles, yes, it's been a whole other way to just really bring the accountability piece to life. And one of the ways we do that is by using our daily action log. So as caregivers are bringing up issues and items to discuss, we are jotting down and writing down, and that's part of the standard behaviors, um, what is it that is the issue? Who, who brought it up? Who's responsible for helping to resolve this? And when do we expect this to be resolved by? And truly, what's your next step? So that's written down so that when we have a huddle the next day, we're able to follow up and see if these items have been resolved. So I want to say that this has brought a whole nother level of accountability and action to our daily experience that we truly just didn't have before.
0: Yeah. And and before we talk a little bit more about, um, you know, following up on items, how, how long are those huddles typically? Is that real consistent across different areas?
1: Yes, it's consistent. So one of the things that we really, really want to make sure it's in place, that they, these huddles are 15 minutes or less. So anything more than that just truly ends up being a staff meeting. And so that's not the, um, the goal of this. So we want to make sure our huddles are 15 minutes or less. I will say that when we get to about our Tier 5, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about what, what's at the different um, tiers and who's at the different tiers, but our Tier 5 is really an enterprise look. That is longer, but even that huddle is 30 minutes and less, talking about the entire enterprise, all of our hospitals.
0: So um, so actually, could, could you elaborate on, on that piece? And before we come back and talk about what happens in the huddles and the follow-up and the, and the connections in those tiers, could, could you give an example of um, where you know, tier one starts in whatever unit or team you might choose and, and how that traces up to different levels? within sure. the organization?
1: yeah. So, our, like I said before, we have six tiers here at the clinic. Our tier one is all caregivers meeting with their, well, not all caregivers, but our caregivers meeting with their managers. And I will say that this, you can liken this to um, nursing changes, shift huddles that have gone on forever. So, um, our caregivers then meet with their managers. But before, the information would just stay right there in that unit. Now, we actually have the managers then going up to Tier 2, where we have the managers meeting with their director. And this is happening both on the nursing side and on operation operations side. So all across the clinic, we have these huddles going on Tier 1 um, all the way up. So the tier two is managers with directors. The tier three is the directors then with their hospital leader. So let's just say on the nursing side for us, um, we'll have our nursing directors meeting with their chief nursing officer. And on the operations side, you have your uh, operations directors meeting with their chief operating officer. And then at tier four, if you just imagine all of the information that's just come up through nursing at a hospital and all of the information that's just come up through the operation side, that is discussed at the hospital uh, executive team level, where you have the president, the CNO, and the COO coming together to talk about what's happening in their hospital. And then what do they want to share uh, outside of the hospital at the enterprise level? So the tier five is that enterprise view. Uh, where we have all of our hospitals sharing their information. And then the tier six is where we bring in our executive team with our CEO and our enterprise council leaders. So that's where we have the six different tiers.
0: And so there are um, a number of hospitals in the Cleveland area. You've got hospitals in Florida. There are international hospitals. Is that right?
1: Correct. So we have um, 17 hospitals that are involved in our tiered huddles, and like you said, both in Ohio and we have uh, our Florida hospitals that are involved. We also have um, our outpatient areas as well. So there's over 40 outpatient areas that's involved in the huddles um, that go on daily as well. We are always continuously improving and adding different sites and locations, so we hope to add in our international teams very soon as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's some time zone issues where Ohio and Florida, you're all in the Eastern time zone. Um, right. So that, that'll be something to figure out, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. But there still should be a way to represent their information at some point. So we, we are looking into that.
0: And I was trying to make sure I wasn't guessing. So I just Googled, yes, there, there's a 364 bed Cleveland Clinic Hospital in Abu Dhabi, which is who knows nine or 10 hours ahead. I should have Googled that instead of guessing, but.
1: Right, right. And then, yes. And then we also have our London site and we have um, that's coming aboard next year. And um, and our our Canada team as well. So, yep, international presence.
0: Yeah. So, um, back to let's say, you know, starting with a, a frontline department team huddle. Um, you know, issues are raised, things are recorded on the action log, um, There, there's follow-up. And so, it talks to care, you know, on the CCIM document, it talks about caregivers um, tracking progress for all to see. And here, here's a, a quick detour. I think this is such a great point where it says, learn from the metrics and improve your work. Uh, unfortunately, too many organizations' metrics are just used as sort of like this, green is good, red is bad, and 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 a lot of times that breaks down. And then people saying like, "Well, I want the metric to be green," and then once mm-hmm. it hits green, they might stop learning and they might stop improving. So that, right. That's one thing I, I like about the model. Is there, is there before we come back to the question I was going to ask? Is there anything else that you want to add about some of that dynamic of learning from the metrics?
1: Yes, yeah, so I would say when we first started out huddles, it truly was around getting the mechanics down packed, but as we've now matured and really gotten comfortable with having these huddles on a daily basis, we we now shifted our focus to really probing and um, really having that experience of understanding what the issues are and what we can do about them. So uh, what has come out of the tiered huddle experience is better leaders, better coaches, better um, caregivers who are really asking really good questions of each other um, to find out why is this happening, um, what can we do to resolve this, do we take this to another level where we need an A3 project, or is this something that we can just resolve in real time? So we've been able to have these great discussions and and solve a lot of issues and problems, Um Whereas before, you know, things would just come up regularly and we didn't have a great venue to talk about these things on a daily basis where we see improvement happening.
0: So as part of the process, what I hear you saying is that problems or ideas in a way sort of get triaged or sorted. What can be done locally versus what has to be escalated?
1: Yes, 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 yes. We definitely have um, have that going on. And we take a look at. What are those things that can be handled at the local level versus, um, asking for help at a, at a different level of tiers? And I will say that, you know, part of the tiered huddles has just been a huge just learning along the way. So starting out, I think our, our teams in different areas, you know, they ask the question, what should I roll up or is this appropriate to roll up or do I keep this to myself? And, and I would say that that's part of what each each area, each team has to learn as they go along and, and truly mature in the process. And we erred on the side of share as much as you can to start out with. And we do have our standard template, our standard agenda that we're following, but really share the information. And we also learned along the way that it's helpful to just add in simple cues like um, here's an issue we're experiencing, but we're, ha- we're we're handling this at the local level or here's an experience that we're having and we need help, you know, so please help us. Um, I would say the one thing that's really been huge for us is that when a team asks for help, it's all hands on deck and they get the help. So we have to be very careful that we didn't have people helping where truly the help wasn't necessarily called for at that time. So having just some parameters and rules, um, of engagement along the way really start to form as as your tiered huddle grows.
0: Because you know it's, it says here back you know, going back to the document, you know that managers should be ensuring the process drives improvement and fostering team participation. For senior leaders, one of the things here is uh, removing obstacles. And maybe you can elaborate because what, what I think I heard you saying was something that's really common in um, other organizations: this tendency to jump in and help. Um, or maybe there's pressure that that more senior leaders put on themselves, say, well, I'm going to be a good servant leader. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in and do it for the staff. What I hear you right. saying is within this model, it's really more uh, the intent is pulling for help instead of having help pushed on you. Is that fair to say?
1: Yes, that's, that's very fair to say. And, and that was part of our learning, too, because everyone wanted to truly truly everyone had the best of intentions in mind, especially starting out where it, you know, our teams were swarmed with help when they brought something up on a tiered huddle uh, phone call. So um, we really want to give that opportunity. We, now we err more on the side of, it's going to be resolved at the team level. It's just a matter of sharing and, you know, for others, what's happening within this unit or within this hospital. So um, definitely, just taking the time to understand what's needed, what's going on, is, has been really important for us as we're communicating with each other every day.
0: Um, so, and that seems like there's another kind of level of triage, and maybe you can try to help uh, paint a picture. I've had the benefit of seeing this that in, in different areas, there are um, you know, boards on the wall where there are little cards and templates for relatively small issues or ideas. And then there are a threes that are visible and, um, they're posted. Um, could, could you talk a little bit more about some of that sorting of you mentioned a threes earlier, how does a team know or get guidance around, Hmm, does this need to be an a three or is this something that's relatively small?
1: So we at, at our huddles, um, one of the things that we have in place is, is our problem solving, um, Standard. So when when is something truly just uh, just do it? So for our our huddle rooms, and I I call them our huddle rooms because it's usually not at tier one or two. It can be, but for sure at our hospital level, one of the things that we encourage is having uh, a kaizen process where we're looking at if this is something that can be resolved in less than forty eight hours then we just jot it down, and we come back to see if it's resolved. But if it's something that we know is going to take more time and effort than 48 hours, then that truly becomes uh, uh, part of our Kaizen process, and we put it on a Kaizen card and put it on our Kaizen board, and it may become a uh, A3 project for us. So, uh, we work through that by really just looking at the time frame and giving a quick judgment because, you know, our tiered huddles, of course, are less than 15 minutes. So just from what someone's sharing and from what they know about what's happening, we can quickly just ask, do you think this is going to be resolved in 48 hours or less? Yes. Then we just jot it down. If no, then we're going to take you through the whole Kaizen process on that one. Hmm.
0: Do, you, do you have a sense of, um, like even rough proportions, or maybe you have data on this, um, what proportion of ideas get handled within the level one team versus how many get escalated upward?
1: I would say the majority, the majority of things that come up are truly handled at the local level. Um, we have really three parameters around what's escalated and um, going up through the, the tiers. And there's more. Um, the, the one threshold is just if you want to share something up the tier, please feel free to share up the tier. But another one is if we know that there is going to be a risk to the patient or a risk to the organization, then that's something that we want to make sure we're escalating so that others are aware and we're problem solving around that. If someone needs help, then that's something that we know we're escalating and looking to, to, to get help on for that team. Or, um, the other third one that we, we take up through the tiers is if we feel as though others will benefit from hearing what's happened in the area, then that's something that we want to share and escalate to, um, the, the next tier level. So those are really the three things around. Uh, just what do we, what do we take up? What do we escalate? But I would say going back to the original question that the majority of issues truly are handled at that local level. And a lot of the sharing that we do do, especially enterprise wide is more so of here's our 24 hour snapshot of what's happened at our different hospitals and here's what we're doing about them and here's where we need help. So that's truly what the conversation looks like, sounds like.
0: Yeah. And, and one of the benefits I've heard, you know, other organizations that um, are also doing tiered huddles is that, um, you know, it just really speeds up the flow of information, um, whether it's good or bad, something that's worth celebrating and sharing versus um, something that's, um, you know, an issue or a problem um, that, that needs response. And, and then, um, you know, it's just just having that, that speed and, you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of paraphrasing you, you know, getting leaders getting a better sense of what's going on, learning about the organization. Do you, do you have any examples that that you can share about where that speed of communication was really beneficial?
1: Um, well, let me just because I want to comment on something you actually just said. You uh-huh. know, with leaders really. Understanding their work. I would say that really early on, literally within the, the first week, the two weeks that we rolled out tiered huddles, um, at the hospitals, I heard our presidents, our COOs really saying, you know what? I, I feel like I have such a great grasp of what's happening within my hospital. I now feel way more confident about knowing what are the issues, what's the good, what's the bad. If something's happening on a certain unit or if I need to go check in on a caregiver, I know in real time what's happening versus hearing about something a month or two later. So I would say that has been really big for us here at the clinic is our leaders being very confident in knowing what's happening within their walls of their hospital. So that, that's been a big one for us.
0: Yeah, and, and then the other question was about, you know, the advantages of that speed of communication. Are, are there any examples that you can share about yeah, where so that's we, is really helpful?
1: So every day there's, there's, there's something coming up or something going on, you know, across the system. You'll be amazed at what you hear on the, the tiered huddle phone calls when you hear from the enterprise view. But I think some of the things that we hear are, you know, when there's something that's really affecting one hospital, you feel like you're alone in this and that it's only affecting your hospital. So I give one example where we had a laundry issue and we thought it was just the one hospital having this issue. When it turned out, no, it actually was the facility that serviced a number of our different sites that had the same laundry issue going on. Um, We wouldn't have known that in that kind of real time Unless um, besides the fact that we took it up through the tiers, and we learned that it truly was a, a, a problem that they were having at their warehouse and that we had to go out to another vendor to get our, our, our laundry things or something like that. But um, that was just one of the examples of what happened a while ago. That instantly we knew what was happening. That we would have we would have been scrambling the entire day to figure out what's going on. Why do we have this um, happening? So, um, but we have things like that go on every single day, where or we'll have a, a shortage in supplies or a shortage in a pharmaceutical um, um, need, where there's really a bigger shortage than just what's just happening at a hospital. So it could be enterprise wide, or it could even be a national emergency that's happening that we hear about um, through our tiered huddles. And I would say that one of the, the great things is that we now look to our huddles every day to get that, that real time information of what's affecting us. What should we know about? So we can point to our tiered huddles and um, our leaders to really give us that, that, on-time view of
0: what can we expect. Um, so one other question, you you, know, you mentioned um, these have been happening for 18 months. Can you talk a little bit about some of the design of, you know, uh, the rollout here, whether there were some initial pilots or what was sort of the time frame? Um, from my, my past understanding and visits, it wasn't all at once, big bang, everybody start doing these tomorrow. There was, was kind of an intentional approach, if, if you can talk about that for us.
1: Yeah, we didn't know the, until we tried, but one of the good things that we had along the way was our continuous improvement team. So our team partnered with every single hospital and our family health center to um, help roll out their facility. So we did it on a on a pretty much one by one basis. So we probably had a new hospital or a new FHC joining on a daily basis for a period of about three to four weeks, um, and that's how we did our our rapid rollout. And and it was a good team effort. We had truly we had huddles around the huddles. So what's working? What's not? What do we want to change? Yeah. Um, some of the other things we did was. Uh, at first, and these are kind of some of our learnings along the way, is, you know, do we want to do batch changes or do we want to do single changes as they come up? And for us, one of the big learnings was let's let's do batch changes instead of the single learnings, because there's just so many people involved in the huddles every day that if we change things too regularly, we get frustrated. And, And I myself rolled out at one of the hospitals and we felt that Effect when there were changes coming um, every so often. So we, we changed the cadence of changes to only happen once a month versus once a week even. Um, so that was very helpful. So we had a, a lot of different learnings as we went on.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the, the reason for batching up those changes is that just so there wasn't kind of a constant stream of changes that it, it, it made more sense to just sort of say here, Here's a couple of changes and let's experiment with that going forward.
1: Absolutely. I'll tell you, we had we had a little bit of change fatigue at first going through this. So it was a big change just to start the tiered huddles. That was a huge change. And to clear out our mornings to make time for huddles to happen every day. That was that was big for our leaders. Um, Then to on top of that. To now say, okay, instead of sharing your information this way, I want you to share this way. Or instead of, um, you know, focusing on this metric, we're going to focus on that metric. So we had to stop all of the changes from happening all at once, and then just go to, all right, um, you can expect this change in the next two weeks on this date to come about. Or you know, if you have questions, then in the meanwhile, you can ask your continuous improvement person. Um, to get further clarification. So we learned along the way that we had to slow down in order to really speed it up,
0: mm. if you will. Yeah. It's kind of classic Toyota advice. Um, sometimes you need to slow down to go fast, go slow yes. to go fast. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, thank you, Cinnamon, for for sharing um, Not not just, you know, about the huddles, but I also really appreciate hearing about the process of, testing and improving, um, the, the huddles, um, you know, kind of applying that continuous improvement mindset to these tools that are supposed to help, um, and that do help encourage and facilitate continuous improvement. is um, there any other kind of final thought, any other, um, advice, um, that, that you would give for others? of let's say they, they, they want to get started with daily, daily huddles. You've already shared a lot of great advice, but is there any other last, tip that comes to mind.
1: Yes, and and thank you for having me as well. Um, I appreciate it. I love talking about the tiered huddle because it's, it's been an amazing journey for us uh, here at the clinic. I think some of the things that I would share in terms of advice or tips to get started is first just starting out with understanding what matters most for your organization. I think that's really important. You know, what would tell you if you're winning or losing the day? So, and start out with just a few, not with a whole uh, list of items that you're you're looking to gauge. But what are just those few things that will really help you out in knowing that? Um, and then another thing is finding out um, how do you make it meaningful for every single level when we're talking about tiered huddles. So this isn't about, and it can very easily turn into an exercise for executive leaders. So we're just getting this information through the huddle so that our executive leaders know what's going on. That's not the purpose of the tiered huddles. We really want to understand at each level what's happening within your view, you know, what's happening for you at your level, and how can you really affect the patient experience in a positive way? So I think how do you bring it to life and make it Uh, meaningful for every single level and not just the exercise about um, how to get information to senior leaders. Because quite frankly, we have dashboards, we have information, we have data, but this isn't, this is truly how do we bring the life to things that are on these dashboards and the information that the data does contain? How do we learn more about the story behind it? And then the last tip I would leave with is really taking the time to Ensure that caregivers or employees really feel safe and secure with sharing and bringing up issues, um, and creating that environment where they feel like they can share and talk about things because, you know, this could, you know, lead to a point of, well, I really don't want to share because that would show that I may not know something about the work that I'm doing, something I should do. And so we, we did have to for ourselves work on Um, How do we create an environment where it is okay to share problems? It is okay to learn. It's okay to problem solve. And we're all in this together. So I think that's really important um, for, for teams to work through. And that would be my tip.
0: I agree. So if um, people want to learn more um, for one, again, you know, the, the CCIM Cleveland clinic improvement model is available to look at online. You can go to ccf.org improve. And then Cinnamon, you were going to mention that you've got some workshops coming up, if you want to tell people about that.
1: Yes, we are really excited. We've actually had a lot of uh, people contact us about our tiered huddles and about some of the other ways in which we do our improvement work. So for the first time, we're really offering now our workshop series um, to external Uh, visitors. So if you go on our site, which is www.ccf, and that's uh, Cleveland Clinic Foundation, so ccfcme.org backslash ccim, then you can find that. Or you can just follow me on Twitter, which is at cinnamondixon1, and the link is posted there. But those workshops will be offered um, for the first time in December, starting in December, and then Hopefully we'll have some more coming up next year as well where we're sharing, especially our tiered huddles. You can actually go visit our tiered huddles and um, experience what we experience every day, which I think is a phenomenal uh, learning experience.
0: Yeah, well, it sure looks like it. I'm, I, I, w- I would certainly guess that that will be a fantastic experience um, just based on you know, my own couple opportunities to come visit um, Cleveland Clinic and looking at the website here. Um, yeah, first glance, this looks uh, like this is going to be really helpful for people. So I'll encourage people to check that out. We'll put a link um, to that in the show notes for this episode. So, um, Cinnamon, thank you, thank you again for um, taking time and, and sharing so much good stuff here with us today. Really appreciate it.
1: Well, Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.